Hello and welcome to the VanCast. I'm your host, Graham Eels, and today I'm with my friend, Lyndon. Lyndon, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, Graham, I uh, was born in Vancouver in 1996. I grew up in Vancouver. Um, I'm 23 now and the year is 2020. Uh, I work at a cemetery and at BC Liquor Stores. And uh, my interests are, you know, horticulture and human science, I guess we'll say. So you have a very interesting diet that you're partaking in right now. What sort of diet is that? And I'm going to just start this podcast off with a little. Yeah. Um, Well, my diet's not even near the extreme of what some people do, but I'm kind of doing a partial keto diet right now so my big cheats actually in that diet is is beer and some fruit but um yeah so i i usually wake up and i have a protein shake that has you know a whole bunch of plant-based protein stuff in there and uh so i try not do whey powder because why why not whey powder uh i just think that a plant has a little bit more to offer especially to balance out the heavy amount of meat I'm going to be eating later in the day and um, whey also dairy even when you're lactose tolerant that heavy the way you know it's processed dairy can lead to some inflammation and I'm trying not to have inflammation because that's not good for your body so I try and stick to the plant-based protein and I have some fiber in there to when I was in your house earlier I saw your cupboard and you had five or six different supplements that you're putting into a bag what yeah. was that for? What was the purpose of that? Oh, uh, yeah. So the one of them I get, uh, it's a Vega protein powder. So that's just mostly some protein, very low carbs in there. I think maybe five grams of carbs, 30 grams of protein. So I put a scoop in there. Um, and it's got some other, you know, micronutrients and stuff as well. And then there's also some hemp protein powder in there. There's some medium chain triglycerides from coconut oil. Um, there's another, like, uh, dehydrated vegetable powder so or freeze no not freeze dried dehydrated um so yeah it's just powder so that's a few like a a few servings of greens there and um then also there's some collagen peptides which is a collagen's kind of kind of what your joints are made out of so it helps uh you know restore cartilage you know i work outside i'm doing a lot of and you, know, you just throw that into a protein shake? Or, yeah, know. so I just throw that all in a shaker bottle, and it comes out pretty thick. It's actually thin at first, and then once it uh, the chia seeds and the powder absorb more of the water, it thickens over time. So if you don't drink it quick, you have to add a bit more water to keep it the right consistency. But <laughs> And then what are your other meals? Because you're mostly meat-based and fat-based. Yeah, so I um, have a steak pretty much every day now because I uh, ordered a hindquarter which I had done previously and I've done again now. So, Can you just explain a, what that is in detail? Yeah, so it's a, one of the rear quarters of the cow. So if you divide a cow into four bits, you know, minus the head, obviously. Yep. Um, one of the rear sections. <laughs> no one wants the brains. Would be a hind quarter. So it's, you know, it's around 100 pounds of meat. and You get it all at once and it's all prepped and chopped up. And, you know, a lot of people are against frozen meat, but I haven't noticed like a steep drop in the quality when I eat it. And to, to the people that say it would destroy whatever, you know, this nutrient or that nutrient, if being frozen is going to destroy that nutrient, 
I don't see how that would be that much different from my body breaking it down. So in a way, it's kind of, you know, the bacteria in your digestive tract breaks stuff down too. So I don't know how much of it's actually, like, you know, broken down to a point where it's not in a digestible form to you. So um, is it, is it a, a ketogenic diet or... Yeah, it's, it, well, I wouldn't, I, I hesitate to call it ketogenic because it's not, it doesn't do like an actual ketogenic diet justice because I'm still eating vegetables, more carbohydrates than I should to be really in a, in, are you eating, in are you eating vegetables and fruits and stuff? Yeah, and I eat a little bit too much fruit for it and drink too much beer for it to be at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, an actual beer. keto diet. But, um, you know, throughout the year when I, you know, I, my goal is always to try and limit the carbohydrates, but that's been a lifelong struggle with me and I'm sh- with a lot of people. And that's one of the topics I'm going to be talking about today. Well, low carb has, I think is good, a good way to go because I found results when I do low carbs. I find that I have more energy. I find that I do better in the gym and even just doing a little bit of a fast in the morning, it helps me burn fat and keep fat down. Does your diet help you with your weight as well? I've never really had problems with my weight, um, but there were some points where I was drinking like probably nine beers a day or whatever, and then I would end up, you know, you putting on some weight. When you drink nine beers in an evening, that's like two thousand calories right before bed, and obviously, you're gonna end up storing a bit of that no matter yeah what the rest of your situation is. So, but I've never really had issues with my weight. It was more just from an overall health perspective that I wanted to do this. So you think it's healthy to just have meat and fat and then you're, you're avoiding the high carbohydrates or what sort of carbohydrates are you avoiding? Um, well, generally when you're consuming carbohydrates, you want them to be paired with fiber. It slows down the rate of intake and it's also just better for your digestion, so what you want the whole point of this is to avoid spikes in your blood sugar level you want your blood sugar level and your insulin levels to be very stable and not have massive spikes and and dips we were watching dr jason can you explain a little bit about what he was talking about yeah so i get some of these confused but i'll try and remember what Jason Fong specifically was speaking of on, because we had watched a few different presenters in the past uh, past day or so. Um, so I, I think Jason Fong prim- primarily focuses on like the connection between diabetes and sugar, and the pancreas, and the liver, and in- insulin production and hormone levels. He he he's a very very well-spoken, knowledgeable individual, and I recommend anyone who's interested check him out on uh, YouTube at the Low Carb Down Under um, event. There's a whole page with videos to that um, for more detail. But to sum up what he was talking about in the one we were watching, um, he was basically talking about how insulin um, signals, you know, when it interacts with a cell, it facilitates storage of fat in that cell and just to clarify for some people you know it might sound like i'm jumping around but uh, sometimes i feel the need to provide background on things because some people don't have that background um fat is not what gets stored as fat um fat actually gets broken down and 
di- metabolized in your body. It's sugars that get stored as fat, specifically um, in the case of the liver uh, fructose. But yeah, so in- insulin acts to facilitate storage. So having high insulin levels leading up to diabetes, you get that cell full of fat. Even if uh, the person has a form of diabetes where they aren't obese, um, you can have fatty liver disease like you would as an alcoholic uh, leading up to diabetes um, because your liver is accumulating a lot of fat because of that high fructose content because your liver is the only organ in your body capable of digesting that fructose. Um, Anyway, so back to you, Graham. From your diet, why is it that you chose this diet over doing something like fasting? What was what made this stand out? Um, I actually was doing a bit of fasting over the summertime this year uh, with a similar diet, but just not uh, starting eating until probably four in the afternoon having, or maybe not four, I'll say maybe two in the afternoon or noon. Uh, so I'd already worked four to six hours and been awake for a little bit on top of that. Um, but one of the things I found doing that was I was having a hard time putting on muscle mass, which is a goal of mine, and I was also. Well, how many calories were you eating? Well, that's the thing. I'm, I have a, I've always had a hard time eating a lot of food. So for me, that's putting the hardest off, part of fasting is you have to eat like two thousand five hundred calories, three thousand calories in one sitting, or yeah. in like two sittings or three sittings, but within like a four-hour period. So. Yeah, and that's the thing with any of these diets. Uh, so first off, we should have mentioned, you know, any anything that sounds like or is, you know, phrased as advice that we give here. Neither of us are medical professionals in any sense. So this it's is just a personal opinion, and we've and whatever due diligence we've done. Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to what I was saying there. Any diet, you know, you, you have to consider, first off, everyone's, you know, own personal biome and reactions to food is going to be different. Also, the situation you're in, your access to certain foods is different. And at the end of the day, you want to achieve the best diet you can at the moment. You know, maybe you aren't going to reach that 100% ideal standard that's in your mind, but the the goal is to always be trying to achieve better standard of eating and diet than you have at the moment, right? So what is the best? That's the true question, right? What is the superior diet? Is it what do you think is the superior diet? Well, I'm I'm going to take take us back in time a little bit here and tell a little not 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 a story so much, but um the rise of vegetable oils in the diet. The rise of vegetable oils. Yes, this is a big, a big topic. Um, so the pretty much all vegetable oils you're eating are going to be processed, but we'll just ignore that for a second, and that because that's a different discussion. Um, but that whole processing thing, the processed vegetable oils are safe until you heat them, because then they become destabilized, and bad things happen with oxidizing, and it's it's just not good. But we, we can talk about that later, perhaps. But what I wanted to talk about here is how vegetable oil, in the form it is now, was non-existent in the human diet. Like, the only way you would ever be getting these vegetable oils, which are actually seed oils, 
would typically be eating some seeds and it would be small amounts nowhere at all similar to like the the 10% of calories in our daily diet we get from vegetable oils now um and this all has been since 1940 really was the big year and the rise of vegetable oils cuz they're just a lot cheaper to produce and they were really heavily marketed by the Heart and Stroke Foundation who has some ties to uh, interest groups who produce vegetable oils. So um, you you can graph it out and there is a direct rise of heart uh, conditions and um, cardiovascular disease right when vegetable oils start dominating over animal fats in the diet. Okay. Quite a steep, steep rise and fall. Um, yeah, so basically vegetable oils are not the healthy end-all be-all that some people have been led to believe in the past. What sort of oil do you use when you cook? Um, I get, when I'm cooking, the meat I use is actually heavy enough in its own fats that I don't need to use oil for it. Um, but if I was to use some oil, I would just be using some leftover um, lard that I'd had in the fridge or something. You store your lard? Well, sometimes. Every now and then. You don't really need a lot. And quite a bit can come off certain cuts of meat that have a lot of fat. That's very so. interesting. That's a good yeah. way to do it. You can also use butter or whatever. Do you work out as well or do you do physical activity? to support your diet? I, I really should, um, but I work outside for eight hours a day, and it's often very difficult for me to get out and do more after work. Because you have, like, a, what, an eight-hour shift of hard labor? Yeah, and it's also, you know, dirty and you're in the weather, so. Yeah, I get that. But you should, you should like, stretch too, you know? You know, and I try and achieve those ideals, um, you know, I... You know, everyone should be constantly trying to improve their lifestyle, and I actually have tried to incorporate, like, some stretching into my routine every night when I remember to. Um, you know, and we're always, like like I've been saying, you know, you're, you're working towards an ideal, and every step along the way is progress, right? Do you think that majority of people are on a good diet? I don't really think they are. Um... Just the fact that being cranky and tired in the morning is an accepted part of life. How so? Uh, well, your blood sugar's all down because you haven't eaten in a few, you know, six hours or whatever. And because you have so few long-chain fats in your diet, you have no sustained energy to that point, and your body's not used to being in ketosis. So it's not efficient at that process, and it's just maybe entered it by that point because you still have all these reserves of sugar in your body. So maybe you haven't even hit ketosis by the time you wake up, but you're just on that low blood sugar, not happy mode still um, for a lot of people. And it may not be just that. There's other factors. There's like, other factors, but yeah. that's, that's you know, that, that among other, other things, health, you know, looking at... Um, statistical studies that have been done looking at all-cause mortality and certain diets and um, car carbohydrates and sugars in particular. Um, yeah. So when you're looking at the big demons like the salt, 
the fat, the sugar, the which one is the worst and which one do you think is the most harmful or oh. do you think you need to avoid all of these or how how do you balance well it's without a doubt sugar sugar is it's widely accepted knowledge even within the mainstream you know media that sugar is not a good thing for you to be eating Every diet shows that you don't need even, to eat sugar. Even diets that recommend heavy carbohydrate intake say you should probably not be eating a lot of sugar or any sugar, really. Um, it's just not not a healthy thing for you to be eating. But you can, just a little bit well, you, here you, and there. You can. You can. I'm not, yeah. I'm not telling anyone they can't ever eat sugar if they want to do keto or whatever. Yeah. But... You have to always keep in mind that it has adverse health effects. Um, there was a study that I was uh, reading where they inserted microscopic microscopes <laughs> into people's blood vessels. That or it might cr- not have been people. That's crazy. But they're into blood vessels. And they hadn't never seen this b- before because they had never been able to have a camera inside of a flowing blood vessel like this. And what they saw is that when a blood vessel actually has blood running through it as opposed to empty, it has a, I'll say a membrane or a hair-like structure of fibers that come off the walls and take take up to, I think, 50% of the space of the blood vessel up. And these act as a filter and they catch things, filter things out, pull things in and absorb them and help facilitate the working of your blood vessels and absorption into the tissues surrounding them. And when you have massive spikes in your blood sugar levels, it damages these structures. And um, it takes multiple hours, I think maybe up to 12 hours for them to repair themselves. So if you're constantly hitting yourself with big blood sugar spikes, you're never going to have this lining at its full potential and being in a healthy state. What is the healthiest diet? Do you think it's healthy to have only a ketosis diet or do you think it's healthy to have like a lot of fat and meat but also add in maybe some vegetables and some fruit or well, whatever? Well, yeah, I, what I'm, I'm in favor of a balanced diet, but I think, you know, keeping the fruit to a minimum and if if you can, you know, try and eat fruit seasonally when it's available, not all winter. You don't want to be cramming fruit down all winter, you know, maybe just save it mostly for the summertime, have some fruit that was... You know, just in season. Grow your own fruit. That would be cool, too. Yeah. Um, but we should definitely try and not be eating a ton of fruits and, and such. And we should be focusing more on proteins and more on fats. A classic argument that would come up would be the, well, it's not good for the environment to only eat meat. So what would be the defense for that question? Yeah, so I think that depends actually heavily on a number of factors, and it it really comes down in the end to the practices of the farm where things are produced, right? You can have a farm producing vegetables that really has a nasty management job going on, and they have a very large carbon footprint for their produce, and you can have, on the other hand, you know, and they're spraying chemicals and pesticides and all this and just doing things the you know 
to to make a, a lot very of money unsustain- unsustainable way and on the other hand you could have a cattle rancher who you know it's all free roam cattle and they aren't uh you know crammed into buildings all the time and forced to eat and, and shit and it's in a field that couldn't really be used to grow anything anyway for a commercial crop so it's it's humane it's not really a loss of that space like you could say that uh, the environment would establish itself and be a wild land but if the land's owned it's never going to just go back to a wild forest anyway so i think that that's actually a fairly sustainable use of that space if it's managed properly with meat um and if you if you kill it properly and if you use majority of it i think it's a pretty natural process well it's meat has been a primary food source for humans for thousands of years in maybe not in every single society certain regions of the world you know, have had more of a scarcity of meat resources and people have relied more on carbohydrate foods. But it's those are actually typically very distinct populations that were very isolated. Um, and you don't find that commonly. The prevailing diet um, has been more protein and fat heavy. Do you think that the ability to cook meat was a big factor in evolution for humans? Oh, it definitely was. Um, and if you think about it, uh, if you're an early human traveling into a northern environment and it's winter time, um, if it's cold and wet, food's not really going to keep very well, especially plant-based food. You know, it's moist and, and damp and all that. Plant-based food doesn't keep very well. And especially in the winter months, the food, you know, there's snow on the ground what are you gonna what are you gonna gather the food that's gonna be available to you for maybe a few months of the year exclusively is gonna be meat well it seems to be part of uh, the natural process to to um like there's the food chain and there's hunting but I think the main factor is you need to kill it humanely and a lot of these factories and stuff they're using all these antibiotics or hormones in the states and they're just pumping up these things and it's pretty much torture for these animals and there's a better way to grow but because it's so competitive they want to beat their the guy next to them they're willing to cut corners to make a little bit of a buck yeah and that is one of the very large downsides of the meat industry is that there are a lot of very terrible practices going on out there Especially with the use of hormones and antibiotics in cattle. Um, and well, luckily of, in Canada, we don't have hormones yeah, in Canada, meat. Canada's a which very is, good country. nice. Uh, in terms of uh, the, the, just the farmers' associations in general, and I, I want to say cattle's, cattle rights, but I'm, that's probably not the right term. Animal rights. Yeah, but uh, that's all very well, like, to a higher standard here than in the U.S. at least. But... Anywhere you are at the end of the day, it's up to you as the consumer to do your best to make sure that what you're buying is sourced from someone who's doing things the right way and you're supporting their business so that it can continue. And that's the only way to make it happen because that will slowly get more and more popular and more and more people will come on and then next thing you know, it's a trend and it's switched and you win. And if everyone just keeps pushing, eventually we will have humane animals. 
Like, that's why people protest, right? It's to make things happen. Yeah, and especially with the meat industry, I think this is going to be one of those industries where it's going (laughs) to not be affected, really, by online shopping. Because who wants to order some meat from online? I don't know, man. You'd be surprised. People are lazy. For me, at least, that's a line I would never cross. There's some things that you do want to see in person before you buy. Yeah. You want to be able to look at it and be like, yep, I am going to put this in my mouth. Especially beef. I get that. You're not going to want to see it online and be I don't trust that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That picture is probably the same nice picture steak they put on every single one. Exactly. So I think your local butcher shop's safe in that regard. And there's also that connection you get with the local butcher. Oh yeah. My my butcher hooks me up extra. You connect with him a bit, he hooks you up with a nice a nice cut. Yeah, it's, Maybe it's usually just off. like some leftover stuff from like some other thing. Oh, they had some of this. You want to try? Especially oh, when sure. you're buying a whole cow. Yeah. <laughs> they probably like you over there. Well, yeah, you're giving them business and you don't give them a hard time. And they, you know, it, it's that customer relationship. You take care of them. They take care of you. Right. So how do you prepare your meat and what's your favorite cut of meat? First, first, what's your favorite cut of meat? Then how do you prepare your meat? Um, my favorite cut. Let's well, obviously the tenderloin. Why? Okay. Why the, the tenderloin's tenderloin? just like because it's tender. Yeah, it's just a really nice cut. But a good sirloin's fantastic too. Like I just love any good steak. Um, but the way I do my steaks, I have a, I have like two or three different ways I do them. So there was one I was doing which I take uh, some jerk seasoning and I put it on, and it's kind of like a sweet. Jamaican jerk? Yeah, like Jamaican jerk seasoning, and it was kind of like a nice sweet flavor, especially on the barbecue because it chars it a little bit. Mm. But um, recently what I've been doing is just a good old salt and pepper, let it sit for a half hour, and then... Uh, That's the OG way. And it, Nothing but the meat, you know? It's good. It's good. Can't go wrong. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you, do you never fry, or...? Um, so I was barbecuing, and then my neighbor was getting a little... <laughs> You know, not too happy about that. Getting the smoke in their face. Yeah, he was all, you know, you can't have a barbecue. You're not allowed to because he wants to go and smoke on his patio, which he's not allowed to do either. But... Do you do burgers? <laughs> um, no, I'm not actually a giant burger guy because um, when I was a kid, I didn't like ground beef too much. Um, also, with burgers, you kind of need a button and then it's more carbs, so. I actually, on this round, asked them to do as little hamburger meat as possible, or ground beef, we'll say, as possible, and um, kept it mostly to some steak cuts and roasting cuts. What is your favorite meal, and how do you cook it? Oh, wait, we'll back up for one second there, to my favorite meal and how I cook it. So it's backing up and going forward at the same time. I like it. Um, Because we kind of interjected there, as I was about to say. Because my neighbor was complaining, I bought a cast iron pan um, that has grill lines on it. And now I've been cooking my steaks inside on my cast iron pan. So I heat it up on a nice like medium-low heat. And uh, you get the steak on there. I've been kind of putting the steak on pretty soon because otherwise what happens is it, it sears it nice, but then that steak sticks to the 
thing a bit, which I could fix if I rubbed some more grease on top of it, but I don't actually have tallow at my house at the moment. So what I've been doing is just like before it gets super hot, putting the meat on and letting it crisp on the grill. Um, but yeah, I just get it on there and I flip it a few times and usually I can look at the side of the steak and there's a bit of it that hasn't been touching the pan directly that I can see the color of. And I use that as kind of a just eyeball gauge until it's close and then I, you know, you get, you get a feel for it after a while. But you, you know, you guys at home, if you want to cut, cut a, a little bit off one of the ends, you could, but sometimes you just got to learn by trial and error. If, if you think it's perfect and you take it off and you let it sit for a few minutes and you cut it open and it's still too red, you can always throw it back on. It's better to undercook it than to overcook it. That's yeah. for sure. But typically I like to do a steak, if it's like a pretty regular thickness, five minutes on each side, flip it over. Maybe maybe you'll do it the way Gordon Ramsay would. With where the crosshatch. Where he'll get a little bit of the char on it first at high heat, and then he'll throw it in the oven to finish it off. Or maybe he'll just yeah. like have it in the frying pan, pouring butter on it, just getting it nice yeah, and, and juicy and i'm actually planning on doing a variation on that once i bring some tallow home because i have some in a freezer at my parents house just some straight up beef tallow from when i ordered my beef and i was planning on putting enough of that in the bottom of this pan that it uh i can can kind of scoop some out and put it on top of the steaks uh and i think that would be nice what was this seasoning that you picked up from the mail the other day what was that seasoning called oh it was called uh is called black from hardcore carnivore and it has carbon in it yeah i think it has activated carbon or charcoal um so it turns the steak like this that black color you think of it like at a steakhouse which is kind of gimmicky but apparently like you know it also would seal the moisture in a little i'd think because it has kind of a coating on it and uh it has some herbs and spices in it too and apparently the, the reviews for it are all really good so I figured, why the fuck not try it out? I, you know, I got that and then a different one too. I'm open to things. So, so what si- sides do you use with your steak? Is it just steak, or do you have sides? Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time it's just steak. It's just beer. steak. But um, steak with a side of steak. Steak with a side of beer. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, no, I do whatever I have. I was actually, I'm trying to use a delivery service now. Uh, the, this is in Vancouver called Spud. Um, so What's that? Give me the overview. Um, they, you just like order online like you would on Amazon and set up like a delivery date and then they send groceries to your door in a box. How much is it per month? Well, it's not a m- membership and the delivery is free. So it's, I guess the delivery is just rolled into the cost of the goods. So you just, how much is an average day? If you're like doing three meals. Oh, I don't know. I don't what about really one care. meal? I'm past that point in my life where I care about that. But I just get some vegetables. They have like a box where you can get like some seasonal fresh vegetables. But so what I'm would your presumption that. be? Like, how is it like, is it? Oh, I probably it, spend. Does it cost a lot of money? Is like, it like overall? Pretty, I probably spend pretty good like deal. Twenty dollars a day on food and drinks. For the whole day? Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. For some people, that's an outrageously large amount, but I think those are mostly tiny little people who don't eat and they don't understand what food costs for someone who weighs over 140 pounds. Yeah, exactly. It's very (laughs) true. Especially, like, some people like to eat. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big part of life, man. I love to eat. It's amazing. Cooking, eating, 
I do it three times a day. Like you got to like it, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. That's why you're so factuated with your diet. So tell me more about the Dr. Jason conference. Oh, well, he has so many different talks, Dr. Jason. Um, but let's t- let's take a look here. I've got some talking points I can go over still. So he, he like I was saying, Jason mostly deals with um, you know the effects of sugar on hormones in the body, and he, he talks a lot of very specific stuff. So it's hard for me to really go into depth on his talking points because they take, a bit of time to well, what, what's sort out. the ones that you would want other people to um basically yeah i want to go yeah. back to this uh, that this point i touched on earlier because this is a really big one that's going to apply to a lot of people yeah is um this talk that you can watch with um dr jason no no this is with someone else this talk you're gonna watch if you're interested on this topic is delivered to you. Sorry, I'm having a hard time finding this in my notes. But basically, um, while I look for it, it's about uh, oils and vegetable oils in particular when heat is concerned and how it destabilizes them. I'll go into that in a bit of detail once I find your name here. Uh, here we go. Nina Tetchlaws. And that's, again, at that low-carb down-under conference. So um, I don't know if Graham's going to link these or not, so I'll just spell it out real quick here. Uh, it's N-I-N-A. I'll link it. You don't have to spell okay. it out. Just say it. Fantastic, yeah. Nina Tetchlaws. Say it one more time for the folks. Nina Tetchlaws. Nina Tetchlaws. <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah. Basically, when you have these vegetable oils that are processed through, like, this actual, like, really have like industrial chemical process to like make them stable for the shelf um, and then you apply high heat to them like you would in a deep fryer or cooking with them it um, they're kind of weak chains because you know and I, I, I'm not a chemist or anything but it destabilizes the structure they get oxidized and fragment and they turn into kind of really nasty, unsavory little things that you don't really want to be eating. And the food industry has actually experienced a problem um, in the past 20, 30 years where, since they, well, not, oh, not 30 years, whenever they started implementing vegetable oil instead of tallow in their deep fryers, where they've run into cleaning issues and they've had to use stronger uh, solvents and chemicals to clean because... Um, when these things destabilize, they turn into polymers and such that, you know, gunk up all their stuff. That sounds pretty inconvenient. Inconvenient and something you don't want to be eating in all your food. Every time you get something that's fried at a restaurant, think of that. Well, it also seems like everything we eat has something that's bad in it, you know? It seems like the people are just pumping in chemicals into our food. To either preserve it or make it grow faster or make it do this. Or yeah, another uh, one I was hearing about that I can explain very briefly to you because it was you know concise in the way it was explained to me was how a lot of the foods you are getting that have fat fat in them still because everything's low fat but this fat you are getting in these shelf foods, um, fat and water separate n- under normal circumstance. So in order to keep them bound together 
so that your food is presentable and edible and looks nice and all that, they have to put pretty much detergents in these foods that keep the <laughs> water and the fat <laughs> from uh, separating. That is really gross. Yeah. Where, where do you eat if you were to go out since you have such a particular diet? Well, you know, everyone can turn a blind eye to stuff. So you just but when I do go out, I you know I typically I'll have a burger or you know some wings or whatever the meat thing I can have. I love curry. Curry's great. Curry is amazing. I like non bread. Non bread. Yeah, non bread's good. Yeah, but there's just there's just a lot of good curry. Butter chicken. Mm. Sometimes maybe you get can some fun in all you can eat Indian place and just like eat oh, none of the rice yeah. and just eat the curry. You know, that's that's how you get your money's worth. Just plowing all that just the meat. <laughs> yeah, all the meat yeah but it comes out the other day it's not pleasant well depends every time i go to those indian places i'm i'm on the toilet for a while let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> that's probably because you weren't used to eating that kind of food right yeah it's true all the yeah. spices they have a lot of spices and, and that heat that comes back to um, this whole topic of diet. Whenever you go and radically change your diet, it's going to not be a comfortable experience. Even for me, just the other day, I've because I started ordering this food online, I was ordering some fruit because, uh, you know, I was kind of spoiling myself a little bit, not sticking to my diet. wanted some fruit, whatever. Yeah. And um, I was eating a bit of fruit, and I, I had quite a bit of discomfort. Not like, you know, extreme stomach discomfort, but enough that it was noticeable, um, you know when I, the next day after I'd been eating some fruit, cause I hadn't eaten a lot of fruit in a while. So, you know, any drastic changes in what you're eating is gonna not be truly representative of how you'll feel if you continue doing that in a stable way. Do you recommend keto diet to everyone else to use? I think people should at least try it and be open-minded and remember that if you are expecting keto results out of a keto diet, you have to actually go kind of hard at it because if you are still having enough carbohydrates every day that you aren't tapping into your fat, you're not going to actually be in keto. And you're, it actually is a quite low level of carbs if you aren't being an active, like having an active lifestyle. To be in the state of ketosis, you need to have zero carbs. It's not zero, but I think... I might be wrong on this figure, but I think it, it's probably something like 20 or 40 grams of carbs a day. Just very minuscule is what That's like saying. one thing that has carbs in it. Like anything has 20 carbs. 20 grams like of carbs. You have like a bite of an apple. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, well, it was nice having you on, Lyndon. I appreciate you coming. We'll definitely do a part two. Do you have Instagram or anything you would like to shout out? Uh, yeah, I have an Instagram. It's uh, Huber Linden. And you'll see all the things we talked about in the description. I'll see you later. Peace out. <laughs>